Hey everyone, welcome to 24 Point, where we talk about the tools, techniques, and trials of designing and developing software in a digital agency. I'm Jeff Rock, co-founder of Mobilux, and today I'll be talking to our director of strategy, Shannon Eastwood, about the ins and outs of prototyping digital products and how it can keep you and your team from making costly mistakes. Yeah, so I'm Shannon Eastwood. I'm the director of strategy here at Mobilux. Um, so we've got a strategist team. There's four of us in that team right now. Uh, we've got technical strategists, growth strategy that supports our business development, as well as engagement strategy and that supports project management. How long have you been doing digital strategy? I've been in the digital strategy game now, I guess going into four years. Um, I spent a long time in physical product development and I'd reached this spot in my career where, to be honest, I just didn't feel good about the things I was making, like things just taking up space. Were they useful? Do people want them? What happens when people no longer want them? So that's kind of what started to get me super excited about digital product development is not that there's, um, not to say technical debt, right? That might exist, but it's different in the sense of how you can reuse something, repurpose something and not just fill space. So I started out um, with a tech accelerator that I participated in in Italy. That was a month-long tech accelerator. There were people collaborating there from all over the world. I think there were like 650 of us in that um, engagement. So month-long, super intense, have an idea. Why do you want to build something? This is what I want to build. This is how I'm going to build it. And at the end of that, have some level of prototype that you could demonstrate. Um, and that's really kind of what got me super excited about what you can do in a quick amount of time in a digital space that sometimes can be challenging in a physical product development world um, and, and what ultimately led me here to Mobilex. So that's interesting. I, I had the same reasons for going into to digital work and, and apps when that happened. Um, but on the other side of that, is there anything that you miss about the physical stuff? Tactile, you know, the tactile approach, like touching something yeah. feels really good. So you have to, that, that's the adjustment, I think, in the way in which we work. You have to think about a digital product in the physical world. An example of that I might give. So we're developing, let's say there's an app that we're developing and there's maybe a payment exchange that happens in that app. What might the user be doing in that exchange other than making that payment? Is it likely they're doing it with one hand because they're holding something here? Is it likely that they want to make that payment situation happen quickly? So few buttons. So there's factors from the physical world that I think you still need to bring into the digital product development. Everything from the individual, their physical interaction with the environment in which that they're interacting. So we talked about the team. We've got four people in the team. And they all come from backgrounds that have nothing to they're do. Diverse. They're, they're diverse. well, they're diverse. They're they're not. They didn't go to necessarily yeah. like uh, design school for building software. We have um, someone that came from you know industrial design. Somebody that came from development and sales. Yeah. You came from uh, managing physical product development. Why do you think strategy is? this place where people land? I think it's what I say is just the strategist mindset. It's a form of problem solving. 
I like to explain it in this way. You sort of see this problem in its whole, and then you break it apart into these small pieces. And so you're constantly solving little decision points that then come together to form an ultimate product service, whatever that platform or digital engagement may be. So what we look for in the individuals, and this is probably true really beyond strategy, we want people who are creative problem solvers. We want people who have the ability to see beyond a particular vertical and tackle something holistically. That's the only way it's going to be successful. So I think the, the strategist on the team, fantastic collaborators. You have to be able to collaborate. Take your idea, share your idea, take the ideas of others, break those things apart and build them back together to actually get to the right solution. So great collaborators, great problem solvers, and they're using their experience from all these different kind of fields and specialties to inform and bring knowledge to the things that we're solving. Yeah, and I found that that's worked very well. And across time, um, it's very interesting to see people solve problems that come from these different backgrounds, and, and they all mesh together. Like we've never had a conflict where somebody couldn't work together with another person because. In some ways, I think it's better because of that. If you have too many people of the same thought, then you often fall into that pattern of either just like the yes, we always agree, or no, we're always going to butt heads because right. we come from the same place. So it's very complementary. I think that's where the synergy happens, and why we as a team across design, engineering and strategy enjoy coming together within those units as well, too. Yeah, because strategy is the bridge, right? <laughs> Very much so, yeah. Design, they, they, they take the requirements that typically come from mm -hmm. the strategic process, the output from that process, and they start building designs and then engineering, uh, you know, ultimately builds it. But the strategist, they have to reach in <laughs> to all the different groups, have those relationships. And you're trying to dig up what are all the potential problems? What are all the potential red flags? What are all the opportunities within this? So quite often you understand, uh, you know, a client will bring to you, I want to do X or I want to solve this. And they might try to prescribe a solution, but through that ideation and, you know, starts with strategy and then moves into design and then the engineering process, you're, you're really constantly unfolding a layer and a layer yeah. and a layer to go like, okay, let's get to the root. Like, how is this really going to provide a benefit to the end user? How are we solving the problem differently than they've got a solution for it now? And most of the time, right, it's related to revenue. You know, you need to make some type of money if you're putting a product or service out into the world um, in a commercial space. So is this going to be the path to the revenue driver that you're actually seeking? Sometimes you find assumptions not to be true, but the point is, how do you make sure you bring those assumptions out, identify the holes, as well as the opportunities that you maybe didn't even have in, in the forefront of your mind? So you work with these different teams, right? You've got client facing. Yeah. You've, then you've got internal, you've got design, you've got engineering, you've got management. Right. <laughs> that's challenging, right? Yeah, that's that's, that's not an easy job. They're all your stakeholders. I think of all of those different groups as stakeholders, right? In the collaborative process. So how do you carry around all that dissonance? How do you... How do you shift gears between all those different mm -hmm. communication styles? I think one thing is just an understanding of people communication in general. Basic, like if you kind of distill it down to basic communication theory, you're going to get different personality types, especially driven by someone's specialty. But if you try to come to that, that interaction, that particular communication, keep in mind the perspective that they may have from their sort of uh, vertical, you can find a way to communicate with them that is intrinsic to 
how they process information or how they even distribute information. I always try to go, this, this may sound very baseline, but there's a point in communication theory, it's not always just like, how do I think I should say this, but it's how will the person I'm communicating with receive this message? And then you adjust your delivery because of that. I think also it's, it's just being embraceive. Like in strategy, we don't want to have the answers always. We don't have to have the answers. We're just trying to really help surface up some of the important questions and considerations and research, and then use the subject matter expert of our designers, of our engineers, of our leadership team based on their experience as well to come to what's the best conclusion. I think you also have to remember, it's not like necessarily about what I think, right? Or what a, another strategist or any individual on the team thinks. If you're solving for an audience of one, you've already broken the system, right? So if you see that pattern happening, it's, it's pretty important to get back to the root problem that we're trying to solve. Who are the users we're solving it for? And who's our ultimate stakeholder, whether that's a client or even, you know, clients, investors, levels down from that. I think that's a very important point in there, which is when someone comes to Mobilux and they've never, maybe they've never worked with an agency before, yeah. you know, maybe they never had an internal team that worked on this problem that they've come to us to solve before. Um, we don't know. Yeah. We're not going to know. One of the most interesting things about Mobilux uh -huh. is that we're a relatively small team that does a relatively large breadth of services and yeah, work. Yeah, that's what makes it fun. <laughs> and we, we've done things that are, are, you know, we've done everything from startup to enterprise, mm -hmm. right? And different, everything from social networks to utility apps. Sure. We don't know when we start what the answer is, but the conversation that happens between you know, our partner and our team is where the answers come from. And sometimes you have to be patient. You right? do. You do. And I will always say it's very much the, the rule of it, it's human nature. It's quick to finish someone's sentence. Jeff takes a pause, right? Let me fill that space for him with whatever thought is in my head. Sometimes you have to kind of give the space and the time that it needs while still also working off of a pretty quick sprint cycle. But give people the space sometimes to realize that they don't have the, the answer too. You do tend to see patterns of sort of prescriptive approaches. Often someone's like, I have this problem and I know how we need to solve it. And they might have some really good hunches and some really good ideas, and maybe they've done some user research, but typically what we bring are broader perspectives to look not both at that, not just the problem, but also at the solution from so many different angles that we're thinking, business, client, marketing, brand, and not just today, but we're thinking about where do you want to be three years from now, five years from now, what's your long-term strategy? Those things are all very different and will inform a collaboration as well as the end result of that collaboration very differently. There's a lot of blank stares sometimes when you, ask, <laughs> when you tell people that uh, yeah. because they, they sometimes come to us and think that we're just making this thing like somebody makes a pie yeah. and then puts it it's on the countertop and mm -hmm. walks away. But software doesn't work like that, yeah. right? Software is a living, breathing organism, potentially that has a, a lifespan of 20 years sometimes. And you have to talk to them about how long this is going to be in, you know, how in commission. And there's things that we don't know today, right? Because technology progresses so quickly. We're able to introduce new things all the time. And that's what makes it, that's another part of what makes it so fun. But that's the piece is how do you kind of anticipate things that you're predicting about the future, right? Or future states with the open idea that it could be 
totally different 10 years from now, right? Maybe we all get tired of these smartphones and we're all just communicating from watches or whatever that might be. I know sort of just those broad ideas sound crazy, but if we think back to the land of, I mean, you and I know the internet, something we learned, right? Through our life. It didn't exist when we were born. Then we got this great idea that you could communicate, you know, on this big modular phone. Then it was like, whoa, phone that fits in my pocket. And then on to the internet is in my hand and there is an internet and I can explore all of these things. So if you just look at that technology trajectory over the last 20 some years, push that forward, 20 more, right? With what, yeah. where we are starting from today. Well, the insane thing is that it's accelerating. Yeah. It's not yeah. like a, like a, a flat uh-huh. line. It's actually got an exponential curve to it. It's processors, which we thought we were gonna cap out, they're still exponentially getting faster. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we have to put more in there, but whatever, computing power is still going through the roof. And I think that's gonna have implications on technology and soon. And the expectations of the users, right? Like the individuals who are now born in a world that the internet, a smartphone, all of these devices have exist, that there's one touch pay, on and on and on, their patience and their demand is going to shift as well. So I think we have to be more in front of how do we simplify interactions more and more because that's gonna be their expectation. So I wanted to talk about prototyping a little bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it's something that is taken for granted. I think it's very important work. And I think it's hard sometimes to legitimize it in a budget, but, it, but you know, it's still something that needs to be done. So let's just start with your definition of a prototype. Sure, sure. When I'm talking about a prototype, I'm saying that this is giving you some indication of will a feature or function give us the end result that we might anticipate. There's all different fidelities of prototypes. So we can think about what's its intended use. There's internal prototypes, there's external prototypes. Um, So if you break it down, if you kind of think about a prototype in its simplest form, it could even be a simple concept that's drawn on a piece of paper or drawn in a digital sketch system, right? Maybe you just need to visually say, do I want to consume this information? So that's kind of level one. If you go to next level up of prototype, you're trying to validate the interaction, right? You're trying to think moving from screens, actually completing an activity within that digital engagement. So that's level two. Level three may be deeper. Maybe you want feedback from users. So this thing needs to look and feel and have a level of function that's going to really indicate is it solving the problem and delivering the expected outcome in the way the user might expect and want it to? And then there's also a piece of it where it's a validation point for stakeholders as well. So I think about the clients or the people behind the clients. So prototype is a pretty important thing, as you mentioned. Um, but the I think sometimes because there's all different fidelities, people might hear the word prototype and think of the most extreme form. Like I am a complete digital engagement that someone is interacting with and that would be expensive, right? There's other ways that you can back that up to validate along the way and sort of have different fidelities of prototype to get to that next phase. There's been many times when a client shows up and they they want an app, they want this thing done and built. Um, 
but they actually walk away with, with a prototype. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, sometimes it takes a, a lot of validation and thinking to get to the, the core of the idea. Sometimes it's going to be pitched to investors. Absolutely. And it doesn't matter if it's running or not. It actually matters that, that what it is, is is right. Yeah. It's a proof of concept. You're, you're validating assumptions we have made about how to solve this problem and what the user wants to get out of that experience. And until you have some level of validation point around that, you're just investing a lot of money in, in a big assumption. So you've answered a lot of uh, this question, but... <clears throat> why we prototype, right? Yeah. So it's to get to answers faster without spending as much of the budget. Time and um, money. Do you ever have trouble fighting for that budget to prototype? I think there's a level of it that we do automatically within our process. So there's a piece that we should all keep in mind that actually we're prototyping at Mobilux all the time. We've got the great tool Figma. I know you and Chris talked about that sort of in your exchange. So you, there are low fidelity, inexpensive ways to achieve a prototype that has high value because it's big intention and good, clean, clear thought that's gone into it. A prototype doesn't necessarily have to be a, an additional 25K or 50K or 100K on a budget. We can build complex prototypes, but I think it's important to know what am I trying to validate with this prototype and who am I showing it to and what's the most important thing that they can get out of that interaction. Um, yeah, I feel as though you're always fighting for something in a budget. So it's true. Well, I can talk about QA for yeah, an hour. Testing, right? <laughs> we all want the thing to work properly and not have any bugs, but maybe we don't want to pay for testing yet. So it's hard. You make compromises all the time just to help a client get to the next stage or the next phase in their business product or service. So um, people who, meaning people as in clients who often are taking something to investors, that's where they tend to see a lot of value. Like I'm investing some money into this prototype because guess what? It's actually going to open up a million dollars to me. Those exchanges I feel like are a little more clear cut. Uh, it is difficult. It's difficult for people to know like you should carve out this amount of money. But the, the way that I always look at it is, would you rather spend uh, a certain amount of money to know that you're making a really good investment? Or would you rather make a full investment and then look back and say, man, I, I wish I'd known this then. So that's what I feel like it solves for before you build the full, full, you know, bells and whistles, because you've made lots of assumptions about what the marketplace needs, what your users want and how you want to deliver it and how it's going to generate money for you. There's a yeah, much easier way to test that. And th that's prototyping. What's the most interesting thing or fact that you learned while prototyping something that you can talk about. Yeah, so we, we're using any time that we're approaching uh, product development, we're using key facets of design theory, uh, human-centered design. So it's really grounded in, in this core ethos. It doesn't always hold true to that, right? Like we know that there are these best practices in typical user behavior, but all of that shifts depending on what it is you're trying to do and why you're trying to do it and, and how in every specific digital engagement. I think that's the piece that's always revealing to me. You know, I've placed this button here because we know standardly a user would look for the top right to do this activity. 
in the flow of actually an interaction, you might find that a user would anticipate doing it at the bottom of the screen because of the way you're delivering other information. So in simplest form, you're actually discovering that some of the standard approaches you might take don't fit there, and there's opportunity to shift it around and make it more fluid, more intuitive, more user-friendly, or even serve up the brand in a better way. That's what I think is fun. That's, that's the great part about prototyping, when something reveals itself that you didn't anticipate. Yeah. I think one of the more interesting prototypes we did we, was on a, uh, an industrial cleaning robot. And I'm trying to remember the exact <laughs> logo that was offensive, but mm. we went through this whole... Uh, you know, fine level design exercise on making icons. And then we, we had to ship it somewhere, somewhere else in the world. So they could put it on this. And some of the icons that were, were, were designed were offensive. Right. Um, so we had to go back and, and because of that, we did lower fidelity designs and we started pitching, um, a quicker, looser, um, prototype, uh, icon. Yeah. And, and we found that, that that got us through a lot of that. So if you guys had gone the path, like, we've come up with these icons and we're thinking that they're the right icons and then it gets past you and now it's on this... Nothing feels worse than being wrong. Yeah. And at the expense of a, a large dollar value, too. <laughs> yeah, we learned, we learned a lesson. And I, I think that prototyping is about learning lessons. You mm-hmm. really... You, you get to validate some of those assumptions. You get to throw away a lot of yeah. unnecessary work. Um, and then it's overall, it's pretty important, I think. I think about, too, um, you know, we work with both startup and enterprise companies. Prototyping, in some ways, has an even greater appointment, uh, importance for those enterprise-level organizations. They've got tiers and chains of command, right? So all the way to the top, are they going to approve this budget? This gives you a really tactical way to show and demonstrate and learn and and make a case for the value of the investment. Um, We collaborated, Jeff, together on um, a product strategy we were doing for an enterprise-level financial institution, right? And they wanted to rethink the way in which they delivered some knowledge and information to their user base. But it was going to be a pretty big pivot for them as an organization in this segment of their business. And so for for that case, that was a great investment in a prototype. We not only prototyped a digital product for the user to interact with, but remember we had a marketing video that we prototyped and we said you should be serving up content that looks and feels like this, so sort of prototype within the prototype. Um, And we conducted that user feedback cycle in a lab that felt very controlled and clean to kind of minimize any variables that might come in. The organization selected the users that came in and interacted with this product because they represented its target audience. And we got candid, amazing feedback. We even got the opportunity, give the users the chance to engage with the product, watch this marketing video and interview them afterwards. And I'm often uh, pleased when users, we get them comfortable enough I I want their honest feedback, right? You want their candid feedback. You don't want them to feel like they're giving sort of a contrived answer because they know you're investing in something. So I know we've done our job well when you're getting sort of off-the-cuff statements and very relatable commentary and they start to tell you about their cat at home, right? That Maybe they fed that morning. But that means you're on the path to honesty, right? Yeah. (laughs) And what was cool about that project in particular is that we had developed six potential oh, yeah. strategies yeah. for how to pull this this off. 
And through user labs and talking to people, we honed it down and we found the one that resonated with them the most. And then we fully developed uh, that strategy, right? Well, the other ones, it was like a race and people started to fall off. And then the the winner ended up being something that I wouldn't have went with. But turns out for that uh, market, for that client, for that customer, it was a strategy and they helped us pick it. And that's a that's a great example, right? If we were solving that in silo without the collaboration of the client or being able to fully go down that prototype path, we might have chose option C, right? Because it felt the most right to us and our understanding. It's it's I I can never over um, glorify the importance of user feedback and getting something in the hand of users. Again, it can be different levels of prototype. It doesn't have to be something fully built digitally. Even Figma offers us the opportunity. You're clicking to the next screen and the next activity and next view. I mean, back in the stone ages of uh, whatever, 2008, (laughs) when I was doing iPhone design, like I used to have a pad it looked like an iphone and i would draw each view and then tape them up and we would talk about how they flow on a whiteboard arrows exactly and that was just as around right you would realize like this flow that made intuitive sense now that we're seeing it in kind of its relationship to the other screens this should actually interaction happen here i love it too when you find things that you can collapse and minimize in the product like we think these are two separate activities but now that we see it really all of that can take place here wow we just reduced a step for our user streamline the process so then let's talk about tools because Mm -hmm. That was one effort, right? A, yeah. a large financial institution, they needed a certain thing a certain way. We use tools like, like a lab, like a user testing lab. Well, not everyone has access to sure. that. So let's go in the other direction and talk about maybe a smaller uh, budget with a all digital uh, totally. uh, deliverable, like, a, like a, even a marketing site. Yeah. So what would you use on the opposite end of the prototyping spectrum? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's where sometimes your visual design design tools, uh, something like Figma is fantastic for it because in a pretty short period, you are able to pull together what that digital interaction will look like. It's finished and polished enough that it feels professional, right? So if I'm a startup and I'm presenting this prototype to a potential investor, it still has my logo, it still has my look and my feel, they're going to get an idea for this interaction that I've been describing to them for a certain amount of time. So I would say that there is a prototype form for any budget that you have. And sometimes it is enough to just have visual static images. They don't even necessarily have to be a fully linked prototype. So potential clients should keep in mind, don't negate the importance of user feedback and the opportunity that a prototype provides just because you feel afraid that you don't have a large enough budget for it. We can provide solutions based on the fidelity that you need. I mean, to your point, pen and paper, there's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes you're in a conversation and you want real-time feedback in that collaboration. These days we use, um, you know, digital post-it boards. There's everything from Google Jamboards to Miro, which actually has an interaction that you can do with Figma. So there's ways to have those whiteboarding sessions that feels like you're working with pen and paper real quick to get the feedback cycles without the necessity to, to be in person with each other. Is there anything else you use other than, um, do you ever just have 
client sessions with whiteboards? Where oh yeah, just, I mean, absolutely. We client sessions all the time where you're drawing squares and boxes, right? I mean, that's and arrows to say this is the. Screen and that's what that everyone leaves to. a meeting with is a is a shot from a phone on a whiteboard. Absolutely, all the time. I think that we even have in our Slack channel a whole section that's like whiteboard images, right? Because <laughs> that we, we found do lots that of drawings. Were, yeah, that's that we're afraid to erase. Yeah. yeah, and honestly, the the thing that is so helpful is. You know, words can be interpreted. They're very subjective in the sense of I make a statement and I'm really trying to convey X, but you hear my statement and you have a whole different picture in your head. Any level of visual representation. So we encourage clients as well. You don't have to have great drawing skills. It can be a square. It can be a circle on a paper. But often just the, the activity of putting it down is how you're able to better describe what you're seeking and demonstrating it in a way that we go, oh, you're saying this, but now that I see that you're creating this flow, this is really what you're trying to make happen. Always, anyone can can kind of prototype. It's not just about the experts doing a Figma final formalized prototype or something built, tested in a user lab. Even clients have the opportunity to collaborate with us and whiteboard with us and prototype in that sense. Great. So obviously, um Times are strange right now. Uh, <laughs> COVID continues to be something that mm -hmm. we're going to be dealing with for the foreseeable future. Uh, how has it helped or hurt collaboration? Being at home, yeah, needing to build prototypes, not being able to be in the same room. I would say, you know, I'm going to kind of give you my personal experience yeah. and then what what I've seen in my interaction with my MobileX uh, teammates, but. I was probably most apprehensive about it. I'm very much like, I love the collaboration with clients and my team members. And I think that you get to feed off of each other's energy and facial expressions and reactions and body language. Like I like to take it all in, right? So the thing that's probably um, been most interesting for me is thinking, how's that gonna feel when it's collapsed to this tiny little screen? On the flip side, now that I'm sort of, what are we, six, seven months into, I guess, uh, yeah. remote working, right? I found, I feel that we actually have more intentional collaboration now. We're more intentional about even the words that we use when we're communicating with each other. We understand that it's more important now than ever because five minutes I can't walk to the coffee maker and say, hey, you know, when we were in that meeting, you said this thing and I heard this. Is this really what you meant? Some of that's been scraped away. So it's like in the interactions that we have with each other, it's even more important than ever to make sure communication is clear, intentional, respectful, collaborative, that you give everybody a chance to kind of share their perspective as you're um, collaborating over something. So I actually am, feel in many ways our collaboration has gotten better. I think we've even become stronger as a team and as a unit because if you take sort of the building, like the building of Mobilux away, right? We have this beautiful physical space that we've used. If, if you take that physical space away, it really is about team members who enjoy collaborating, working with each other, pushing each other in positive ways, having those meaningful relationships and then working on projects with clients that we really enjoy, you know? Yeah, I had a similar conversation with Chris Lewis, which if you haven't seen the uh, video on design systems yet, you should check that out. Um, he said a lot of the same things along the same lines. Like we are uh, maybe communicating more. Yeah. We are definitely more efficient than we've ever been. Uh, we had to form new relationships through chat and having the camera on all the time. Right. So we're all improving our own setups, but 
I will say it's it's been eye-opening for me that you can do this remotely and you can do it well. You can do it well. Yeah, that's the part is, and I, I was very just impressed by, I'm always impressed by the team that we have at Mobilex. We're just such a diverse group of talented people, but I, I was so impressed that really quickly, everybody just dropped right in. You know, there wasn't this period of adjustment. There wasn't a lot of weird friction points between us. We all just kind of said like, let's figure it out and we'll figure it out together and we'll make sure that we still enjoy doing the work that we do, which in some ways kind of throws back to the original days of Mobilex, right? You guys were remote at the start of it. So yeah. you've, you've come full circle in many yep. ways. In a spare bedroom, <laughs> a lot of software got written. Um, so I think uh, maybe where I wanted to end this was there are a lot of people out there with diverse backgrounds that maybe they haven't found the place where they fit, but they are great critical thinkers, right? And they are interested in building product. Do you have any parting wisdom for somebody that maybe wants to get into strategy? Yeah, I would say lean into whatever your personal experience and skill set has been. Don't minimize it because you're afraid it doesn't fit some standard. You need people with diverse backgrounds. You need people who have had unique experiences. They're going to bring a perspective to the table that no one else around has, right? So really lean in, be proud about what your background is, what your education was or lack of education was. Even if there's skills you honed yourself, that's amazing, right? You developed that by yourself over the last three years and you're this talented. So my advice is be confident in who you are, what you've learned in your life. I think we're often looking for people who are just knowledge seekers, just learners and tinkerers. Share your hobbies, share your passions. You should get to bring that to work with you every day. I want holistic people, you know? I want people that bring the rough edges as well as the sharpened points, bring all of those things together because the blend of that is what makes an individual unique. And those are the users that we're solving problems for. It's a very diverse user base. The, the world is an amazing place, and those are the people that we're bringing digital products to market for. All right, well, thanks for talking with me. Yeah, today. thanks for chatting with me. I appreciate it. This has been 24 Point, a Mobilux podcast. If there's a topic you'd like to hear us cover in a future episode, email us at comments at and if you'd like to hear about future episodes, subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts or sign up for our newsletter at mobilux.com. Thanks for listening.